Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life, get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. I feel like I'm dying. Oh, my God. I was at... I've you got sunstroke. I'm sunstroke. You know what sunstroke feels like? I have it right now. Saw you at the game there on the on the telly. It's a little brutal. It was a little. It was so what do you do for stun, sunstroke then? I Water slept. Rest? I slept and laid down, but now I just feel like I can't lift my arms. Fucked up. You know what it's like? It's COVID. I got COVID again. God oh damn it. Oh my God. Hey, again. <laughs> Bob, did were you there alone? No, Sydney was with me. She was just huddled down like she's small enough that the sun doesn't hit her if she scrunches up in the chair. I was just like <laughs> out there with my with my Michael Jackson disease burning in the sun. What is a Michael Jackson disease? I have that thing. See how white my arms are? Oh, vitiligo? I got, yeah, I have it. And and when you have it, when you're in the sun like that, like I was today, you can feel your skin burning off. This it's is diagnosed. You've diagnosed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thing? It's all over my body. Look at my arms. It's so weird. So I, you know, everybody thought Michael Jackson was bleaching his skin to be more white. No, he wasn't. He had this disease that I have. <laughs> ah, I heard you get propofol for that. <laughs> and and fentanyl. Fentanyl and yes. propofol for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, think now I feel be better. Now hey, that man. perked me up. My reward center of my brain just said, I like that idea. Hey, yeah. think about this, man. Michael Jackson missed the whole fentanyl era. I think he oh. probably got some. It was he around. Was people were yeah. people were sucking on that stuff, Mike, in like two thousand. Yeah, lollipops. It was, it was and, like yeah. what year did he die? Two thousand seven or six or something? Yeah, he had some fentanyl for sure. Yeah, the patches were around for sure. Yeah, we had this lady client. She was so nice. Well, she was kind of irritable, but she was nice. You know, she was nice. You couldn't figure out how she was in the drug ward, right? It's really like lawyery type woman and uh and then it turns out she was she was eating the patches she was sucking on the patches and mm. i guess the patches were even stronger than the pills that initially that later came out the mm. patches are like 180 milligrams no way I mean, you just there's a way <clears throat> i guess you they would cut it and then suck on it couldn't you die from that chuck wouldn't that be a little dangerous I wonder if there's mm, I, I any fentanyl overdoses then. But, but wasn't it like slower acting because it was a patch? It was meant to be absorbed, so it was like a slower acting? Yeah, but that's why they cut <clears> it, <throat> I think. They cut it like a tic-tac-toe board. Like, do you remember, do you uh, remember when, uh, when Jack Daniels came out with that hard lemonade? I was, no, I, was, I, I was so bummed that I missed that. You know what I mean? I never got to try the hard lemonade by Jack, by a Jack Daniels. I don't think they make it anymore. It probably was a failure. No, but, but uh, you could have them make it at a bar. It was called Lynchburg Lemonade. It was just Jack right. Sweet and Sour and Triple Sec. How do you know that, Chuck? Because I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed those. That's the only way I could drink Jack Daniels. Oh, so something God. sour to cut it. It was too uh, sweet. That's where, you know. You can be an alcoholic. Like, I don't think there's anyone that knew me 
from 1996 backwards who didn't think, yeah, that guy's an alcoholic. That guy right there, the weird looking guy with the glasses, that guy's an alcoholic. People <laughs> at supermarkets would say that. Like, that guy looks like an alcoholic. That guy's an alcoholic. Well, I when you're never, buying alcohol at six I, a.m., yeah. I, I never drank hard liquor. I could be an alcoholic on beer only. You know, like, though, uh, Mike, I, there's I no reason for that stuff. There's no reason for that horrible tasting scotch oh, and bourbon. Oh, yeah. good. So you yeah. are out of your mind, Bob. Man, that yeah. was the greatest shit in the world. And and I know as soon as I, I totally feel you, Mike, as soon as I stopped drinking, I, all of a sudden there were flavored tequila, not tequilas, I'm sorry, vodkas that you didn't have to. I just wanted to mix it up because drinking Smirnoff 100 proof every day, you get a little bit tired of it. Budweiser beer is fine. You guys are a bunch of elitist Orange County flat oh, fancy pants. On, I'm man. telling you, that's some Laguna Hard Beach shit right there. Not that's some Laguna <laughs> Beach anything, shit the right there. That's some Dana Point shit right there. Flavored vodka. Budweiser is so Beverly Hills. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Budweiser was the greatest thing. Somebody told me it's less Bob, fattening. You know why there was so much at the store? Because you were the only one drinking it. <laughs> I, I, I love Budweiser. Everybody and then somebody, it was made Heineken. with, I'm just checking, it was made with rice hops rather than barley hops. And somebody told me, yeah, that's less fattening. And I was like, well, look at me, brother. Know, man. I'm fucking skin and bones. <laughs> it's that crack kept me skin and bones. So rarely yep. do I promote anything on here whether it's our stuff or anybody else's stuff please don't I mean, say crack no no <laughs> there is the, it's close there's a close thing the greatest rock documentary i've ever seen i watched last night it is the story of rick james this will blow your minds if you watch this thing <laughs> it will blow your mind this guy not only did he take it all the way but he had the most interesting kind of life story you'll ever hear. And I, I will blow it for you because you're too lazy to go to the prime video and watch it. So it, Rick James, <laughs> Rick James's dad died. Rick, Rick James's dad died or something. I, I forget, but his mother raised him and eight kids or raised him and seven kids. And she was a numbers runner in, in uh, Buffalo, New York. And she had him running numbers and collecting money when he was like seven years old. Nice. When he's uh. nine, he has his first sexual experience with one of the women that ran numbers with his mother. How? Old? Okay. This is like nine. Richard Pryor level fucking child abuse, this right? Wiley Daly so, child. <laughs> so then, then, wow. he, then he, um, everybody's fearful of the draft. Somebody tells him when he's 17, if you enroll in the Navy uh, uh, reserves, you don't have to go to Vietnam. He's like, bitchin'. Okay, got it. So he enrolls in the Navy reserves, but the person doesn't tell him, yeah, you have to show up at the Navy reserves place. So he enrolls and he never shows up. So he gets himself court-martialed when he didn't have to. He didn't even, know, you know, because he could have not gotten drafted. So he gets court-martialed at, at when he turns 18 because he never he enrolls <laughs> and then he never shows up. That's Failure a bad friend. Let's just take that little thing. So, And this is something that smartphones probably help with because you can look stuff up. So a friend says, hey, 
James, that's his name. Hey, James, if you want to not get drafted, you join the Navy Reserves. And he says, really? And he says, yeah, if you're in the Navy Reserves, that means they don't send you to Vietnam. You just go one weekend a, a month. It's some bullshit. And doesn't explain the things you have to do in the Navy Reserves. <laughs> so he goes down and enrolls in the Navy Reserves and just leaves and never goes back. <laughs> and never. Wow. And so he fucked himself. Yeah. So they're looking for him. He's thinking that all he, you got to do is just be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> he could have just said maybe was his whole maybe. life would have taken a different trajectory maybe. if maybe. he didn't go down there. Yeah, it's just like a, it's, like a guess, it's like a guest list or something. But, but See, you gotta, Google is a lifesaver. <laughs> Google's a lifesaver because they say, hey, you got to enroll and you got to show up one weekend a month for two days and like <laughs> act like an army man. Like, Nobody you know, told him march that. around. I Nobody, could, they didn't follow, his friend didn't follow <laughs> through with all the info. So he <laughs> fucked himself. So he's only like 18, he just turned 18, he has to, he flees to uh, Toronto, Canada. He's like a Canadian draft dodger. He's up there for a week, and he's been hearing, oh, the Canadians are great, they love you, they love black people, it's all great. The first week he's there, he gets called the N-word, and he's fighting on a street in Toronto, in the music district of Toronto, where they had a lot of clubs and folk clubs and whatever. He's fighting these guys, and they're beating the shit out of him. And these two white guys come in and fight the white guys back and beat them up and then befriend him. Those two white guys? Levon Helm and Robbie uh, Robertson. <laughs> nice. How no fucking crazy is that? That's insane. Then they <laughs> said, wait a minute, it gets better. Then they go, hey, you look like a musician. He goes, by chance I am. And they go, hey, we got this friend of ours that's putting a band together. You should talk to him. Who does he meet and move in with a week later? Neil Young. Neil Young and Rick wow. James. Rick James, bitch, and Neil Young are living together in 1965 in Toronto. Wow. That is they form a band where they all wore sailor suits. <laughs> oh. in like a joke towards the Navy. The Navy, thing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like five rather than the, you know, like the village people, like different guys, just all five Navy guys. Okay. And finally, they decide, like, we don't like that image. And they were called, like, the sailors. They were called, I think they were called, like, the sailors or something. I think they were the Seaman brothers. Sailors, <laughs> sir. But they were great. And, and he talks about how Neil Young played so beautifully and melodically. And then he would sing R&B lyrics. And he liked Mick Jagger. And so he'd copy Mick Jagger satisfaction and r&b that he grew up with and neil young would play these beautiful like folky chords right so so they changed their name to the mina birds m-i-n-a-h you can listen to it on apple or spotify or whatever Do they all wear it's, beaks no. <laughs> that would so be by cool. this Mike, time they're wearing their own perfect. clothes they kill it in toronto they become the coolest band of toronto they get signed to motown Holy now shit. he can't go back to America, <laughs> right? Yeah. But he does because show business is just too, too juicy and too wonderful. Yeah. So he goes back into Detroit. They do. They cut four tracks. Wait till you hear the tracks. You can look them up or you can watch the movie. Uh, like this is Rick James, you guys. <laughs> and so Did he ever so, get sober. 
yeah, I'll tell you, you gotta mm-hmm. watch the end. It gets sad, but, but, um, but, but he, but they go to Detroit. They cut these four songs, these four songs. One is amazing. One is a fucking amazing song written by Nick, 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 uh, Rick James and Neil Young. And the background singers are a little girl group that they met. Diana Ross and the Supremes are the background singers on the track. No way. And then this other guy that was kind of, his career was kind of over, played piano. His name was Stevie Wonder. I don't know if you know who that is. There is a single, you guys. How come we're fucking rock and roll fanatics? How come we don't know this? There's a single where Rick James (laughs) is the singer imitating Mick Jagger. Neil Young is the rhythm guitar player, acoustic guitar player, and wrote the song. And Diana Ross and the Supremes are the background singer, and Stevie Wonder is the piano player. How come we don't know about this? Now, Chris, now Chris Carey, Chris Carey is going to find that link. I know he is going to find that link. Yeah, well, it, up all of us. It's insane. So they get the single. It comes out. I guess. I guess in those days, he like recorded a single and they like released it the next day. Like it came out. (laughs) (laughs) Recorded straight to wax. (laughs) Yeah, straight to. And then they get it to the radio station, and they either like it or they don't. Then you you're fucked or you're a star. I guess. So so they the song gets out. It's a great song, and the song gets out, and then. Rick James gets uh, arrested for draft dodging. Oh, uh, you can't have a draft dodger in the band. I mean, that's that's either good or bad, I guess. Dude, it's that's- just like it's mind blowing. Like I'm 61 years old. I think I know pretty much everything about music, especially drug addict music, especially Rick James. I know that he was at war with MTV. I know most. Everything after that, I know most of the story. Yes, did Mike, you asked, did he get sober? He was sober for three years in prison. He gets out. He's sober. Guess what? He's not a very magnetic. He's not Rick James when he's sober, uh, right? He's just more of a yeah. musician playing bass. He's and people better when he's like on that. crack. There goes the yeah, crack. There you go. Except for the people the around him. <laughs> no, the people around him, you know, it was another thing they about not getting they paid. They love on crack. <laughs> it, it's all the same story. Like, man didn't get paid. Like, you were in a band. Here's the thing about Funkadelic and all those guys and other bands. Like, I hear about other grunge bands and people complain they got ripped off or whatever. You were in a band for 10 years. It didn't come up in the 10 years that you're not getting paid. All of a sudden, 20 years after that, you're talking about mm-hmm. how George George didn't pay you. I really didn't like that Funkadelic. Everybody complained about George not paying him. Like, you know, it's just like, okay, we get it. Like, maybe he was spending a little too much money on, on uh, other things. But, um, but, you stayed, fast, yeah. but you stayed in the band for 10 years. I mean, come on. Yeah. If I didn't, if Mike <laughs> Mart didn't get paid, he wouldn't be at the next gig. I could, I promise you that, Chuck. I promise you, you. You didn't get his instruments out upon. <laughs> <laughs> but but Mike is Mike. Mike one time when Reagan stormy weather, and everybody, we were all kind of in shock by how good it was going because we were not very well prepared, and we had like when you. When you accumulate, like you got five really good songs here in a, in like a few weeks, and you're thinking, like, "Fuck, this is a good album." Like this, it surprises you even that you're making it. I bet you, if we talk to, you know, Noodles or other people or Greg Hudson, you just you're making a record. You go, "Oh my god, this is like pretty good." 
And that's how I felt about the stormy weather. And I'm telling Mike, like, this could, this is a really good record, Mike. And he's like, do you think we're going to make any money? And I was like, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we're going to make some money. So Mike's like, oh, good, because I could use some money. <laughs> oh I bet God. you could, Mike. Mark, could you have used some money? Could you have used like a thousand dollars cash yes, that day? And I could have spent it right where we were recording it too. <laughs> in downtown. Yeah, we recorded it right in Skid Row. Did they, uh, did, uh, see the last I ever heard of Rick James was the trial. Yeah, he went to prison. He was sentenced to five and a half years, served three and a half. He got sober. He wrote 400 songs while he was in prison. I remember hearing that. But really, and his, his daughter is kind of the narrative of the documentary, and she's great in it. And, and she doesn't delve too much into childhood trauma, but she, she says what her life was like. You know what I mean? And she seems, she seems pretty together. Anyways, uh, it was just an amazing documentary about drugs, about Wait, what's humanity, on? What's about on anyway, so Prime, Amazon Prime. Um, I'll it. watch it because so, like the Quincy one was cool, like that, and his daughter did that. Quincy Jones. Well, get this: her. They say you know, oh, his drugs, his drugs, his drugs, and and this is true of a lot of bands. I think drugs got too much blame for our problems. Um, and my comparison is well. We were on drugs and we failed. So everybody can say, oh, Thelonious Monster failed because they were on drugs. Okay, easy black and white narrative tied up in a bow. Sounds good. Wait, wait, wait. The Red Hot Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction were on drugs too, and they seemed to do all right. <laughs> yeah. Aerosmith made quite a few go records. So in Lou this, Reed. she says, because he went to war with MTV, right? He was like, they have a million quotes of him like attacking MTV, saying they're racist, fuck them, how come there's no blackface on MTV? And that was true. And David Bowie aligned with him and said, unless you start playing black artists, don't play me. Bowie, the hero, always. The right, mm -hmm. elegant, fucking king of music. I mean, uh, have you ever seen that interview where Bowie says, you know, I yeah, agree yeah. with Rick I think, James? Yeah, I think it was from 83. And he was just yeah, like, yeah. man, there's no black music on here. So where, where Rick is it? James, over, the, over that three-year period of time, he made uh, the one record, The Fire or something, and then he made Street hassle or street songs or whatever those he was the biggest selling artist in the world rick james and they didn't play him on mtv right so what happened was it's believed that his yeah his drugs got worse but he still wrote hit songs for that tina girl and mary jane girls and his last album was his biggest album that had super freak and and um the other song on it and policeman and and all of a sudden you know he gets dropped from his record label it wasn't because of drugs it was because he was at war with mtv and by this time motown is run by white people that's another thing that you know mm. like the corporate white elites were all in line like this guy's you know he's he's bad for business he's causing us all problems and what it is believed is that's why they started playing michael jackson they weren't going to play Rick James, but he had now put such a microscope on MTV as being racist that they had to start playing some black artists. And they, they played uh, Michael Jackson, who is, you know, he's, he's black guy, 
person, you know, not, Why is not that so hard to say. I, I don't know. He's an anomaly person, but for okay. sure, they then next they played Lionel Richie, who was not black at all. There's nothing but, black about Lionel Richie at all. Oh, by that come time. on, come on, Lionel Richie, Commodores, and then I know. But that's not what they're they're playing. Hello, are you there on the now, phone? I love you. That was like uh, one of the biggest selling records of all time. <laughs> that is such a piece of shit. Oh my Th god, that record is huge. Hello, especially what is along the military. Hello, hello, yeah. I, 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 is it is me, it me you're, you're waiting for? for? <laughs> yeah. Not, that is not, not that's not, not super freak, dude. <laughs> not quite easy like Sunday morning. I thought that sounded like a Pink Floyd song to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so and there was nothing R and B. Can't touch what this what they're default. saying. Okay, so that's what happens. So he gets out of prison and that song hits and he he says in the because they have him talking but not showing his you know, he kind of narrates himself. He made more money off that one song than in his entire career that's how big pop music and rap music is ladies and gentlemen more off that one song do, 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 can't touch this um <laughs> MC and, and so, yeah that's the super freak by rick james he got the he got oh, the songwriting credit yeah that's right not sampled he's the songwriter on it yeah it's the whole because it's it the whole sampled. song it was, it's not sampled. It's the whole song, and uh, they just took the vocal track off, and he he does oh. that. And doesn't it? I think it says she's all right. She's all right. She's my girl's all right. Can't touch this. Um, so he makes all this money, and that's when he has no career. He has no band, um, and he's a horrible addict, and he tries to play sober. Nobody likes it. Tell me what's going to happen here, Chuck. Not good things. Uh, and you throw like 10 million bucks on top of them. Uh, Not good mm, things are going to happen. Yeah. So, but he is legendary. He gets, he has a heart attack from Coke. They give him a pacemaker. He goes home and smokes more Coke. That's exactly what you would him. do. Exactly what I would do. Come on. I would, I would moderate that a little <laughs> bit with some fentanyl or something to make sure that my heart stayed Stayed gotta, steady. No way. Now you got a machine. <laughs> you got to test what? it out, man. Give it a little road trip. Can you imagine the panic? And like how when you get paranoid, when you get paranoid, and that little machine is just going. How about the machine? Your heart's going. <laughs> Let's see. Like, if we can how do you run the battery uh, out on this thing? Yeah, can you lower that battery? The volume <laughs> is there. Is there a clicker on that? Oh my god! But what a genius and what a life story. From running numbers when he's seven years old to being in a band with Neil Young when he's 18 to like being in Folsom prison for three and a half years. It's just crazy. They don't, they're, they're, they are not making so people popular. like that. He was probably, he was probably treated like a king in there, man. Are you kidding me? In prison? It's still prison. <laughs> yeah, Mike you loves know, prison. Mike's like a like one of those Orange County housewives that loves the prison shows. No, Mike, no. you you are obsessed kind of with prison culture. You really no, are. I'm not. Not really. No, I've been to you, jail enough times. You always say like there's rules to prison, and that you've never been to prison. How do you know no, there's I rules know to it? There's <laughs> I don't. You know, uh, all I know <laughs> is that when you can't go where you want, when you want, and you're stuck. With that many, you know, 
room temperature I, IQ guys. It's just is room maddening. temperature IQ. I like that. Well, that's a nice way of putting it, Chuck. Um, but anyway, not so that today was, because they'd be geniuses today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I I was at my favorite restaurant, McDonald's, today, and uh, and I must have said on the order thing because I got said the Happy Meal, the ranch dressing, because they always put up tangy bar tangy barbecue. I always have to say no ranch dressing. Then you say ranch dressing, and you say they say what, and you say with the Happy Meal ranch dressing, not barbecue sauce, and then you see it change on the computer, then they do the whole final order. And I say with ranch dressing, right. Or, or put ranch dressing. I said it five times. We pull it away. For, you know, they give you the money and they uh, give you a food and they want you to drive away. Cause they got a million people behind you. I always open it up to look, no ranch dressing. I said, can I get some ranch dressing? What can I get some ranch dressing, please? Oh, hold on. And they go walking around to the other side to get ranch dressing. That's below room temperature IQ, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, what, what do they have to put their thumbprint down to get a ranch released? Is it that rough? <laughs> yeah, Is it like emergency room opiate? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they have to get triplicate. They got to get triplicate to give that away for free. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, this world. It is crazy. But nothing more crazy than my my great friend saying, "Hey, do you want to go to Dodgers tomorrow?" And Sid gets out of school uh, early on Wednesdays, so I surprised her with a happy meal and going to the Dodgers. And I mean, I I looked at the temperature. It said at one o'clock. It was the game started at one o'clock. It was called a businessman's special. Apparently, they do this twice a year, where it's a one o'clock weekday game. And it said it was going to be ninety six. On the scoreboard, the temperature was 103. Oh, how how yeah. is it, Chuck, that with all the technology that we have, with all the magnificent military-industrial complex and GPS and all that mankind has established, you can't agree on what the temperature is going to be in Los Angeles. <laughs> because they're guessing to begin with, and maybe... You know, it depends on where they take the temperature from and how they take it, right? I think it's supposed to be like in a partially shaded area or something. I think there's some, like you can't just set a, ther uh, a thermometer in the sun because it's going to be way hotter. I don't know how they get the ambient temperature because that's what they're going off. <laughs> I know. Because it's, it's, uh, <laughs> my car will say it's 116 because I have a black car. I know it wasn't 116. Sitting there, I felt like I was dying, and I felt like all the the global warming deniers, I wanted to strangle them slowly. Like, sit here. It's September, whatever, September 7th or something? Yeah. It's September 7th. Mike, Mart, and I are old. Mike, do you remember what was the temperature when you went back to school the first day? It was always cooler. It was always in the 70s. Yeah, it's, it's 20 degrees hotter now. It seemed cooler, yeah. But you know, they're like uh Death Valley got to 127 this year and it's not the record. You know, it's it, like Death Valley's record is like 131 or something like that. Yeah, there's always anomalies. There's obviously weather anomalies. But when you look at the average temperature in in I'll go back to even 99. So, uh when they were doing the first Coachella, 
they went back 25 years and looked at temperatures and determined the dates that the first Coachella would be on because they were the mildest temperature days in um, October. I think the first yeah. one was in October, right? It was 110 the day we played. It was, like, there's no way. There's something going on with the planet. Maybe the fact there's 8 billion people on it, I don't know, might be something to do with it. But just think about 8 billion people. How about this? Sid and I were talking about this because, you know, poop's a conversation that always comes up around the forest house. Just really? and she, <laughs> she started doing the math because, um, you know, how did poop go to math? How did poop go to math? That's all I want. To know. Well, we have five people in our house, and we all poop every day. That's five poops a day. That that kind of math, wow. like six, like first grade, <laughs> first grade math, Mike. <laughs> first grade. When you're putting, when you're realizing that math actually has a place in your life. Okay. Okay. So, so we're at I poop, Mama poop. Thirty-five poops a week. That's seventy. <laughs> That's, that's 140, 140 a month. A month. That's <laughs> 140 a month. Where does it all and, go? <laughs> but what about the 8 billion times 8 billion? Oh, my times God. Times 8 billion. And that all goes to the ocean. Awesome. Uh, times 8 billion and every day. Yeah. You know, I think from all the places we've been, and they've been doing this thing where they talk about if it's too hot for your hands on the sidewalk, then it's too hot for your dog's feet. Yeah. And how much hotter concrete is and how much of the earth we've covered in concrete and how the earth isn't allowed to breathe. I think we need to bust up all the concrete, all the asphalt and let the earth breathe. I bet it cools down. Asphalt is way hot. That, that's an interesting hippie idea. I, I've never heard that. But yeah, we've well, the old <laughs> thing that they even in Golden West College when I was eighteen, they were teaching us about world population. I, I think it was in sociology. So back then in nineteen eighty, if the Earth, if everyone on the Earth had a a, a car per capita that the United States has the entire Earth's surface would be covered in cars, land surface. Hmm. You know, to give you an idea, there's no car, you know, not everybody in India has a car. Not everybody in China has a car. Not everybody in Russia has a car. So, you know, America is such a consumer society. This is in 1980, Chuck. Hmm. Um, and by the way, they're teaching this kind of advanced creative thinking at Golden West Junior College in 1980. I doubt they're teaching this way of, of thinking and looking and approaching of things at Harvard these days. No, I but think uh, they're talking not, about how to respond on Facebook when <laughs> someone doesn't like what you have to say. So, so anyways, I always remember that. Me and Chris Hansen were in a class, and, and a sociology class, and, and I kept thinking about it. Like, if everyone on the, on the earth it was just to, sh to show how disproportionate, you know, wealth is and consumerism and whatever. This is the end of the Earth movement, right? The Earth movement starts in like 1971, and then it, it kind of starting to fade by 80. But all the professors, you know, were, had these little simple equations they could tell you. If all the people of the world had a single car like most Americans do, the entire Earth's land surface would be covered in cars. You wouldn't be able to move anywhere. And now you're bringing up concrete and cement. Yeah, like, oh, my God. Like, how much of the Earth is covered in cement? 
It's crazy. And, it and so cool, like my stucco house doesn't cool off. But if we walk over to the green belt in the evening, it's super nice and cool. It allows things to cool off when you're when it's grass and well, soil. I hate, and I hate to say it like we live around some, you know, 100 year oak trees. Even though the air conditioning was out, and the, you know, we had some roofers here and the air conditioning, they broke the line to the air conditioner or whatever. And we had to go a whole day, Chuck, a whole day without air conditioning. Can you imagine? Can you oh. imagine what it was like for us? I'm surprised I, you didn't I, open a Budweiser. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it was like? I just can't. We went without <laughs> air conditioning for a day. A oh, day. Yeah. Poor man. Oh, my God. Can I have a moment? Yeah. I have a lot of feelings about this. So, anyways, we have no air conditioning. <laughs> is this a safe space for me to talk I, about? I think this? it's safe. This is a judgment-free zone. <laughs> so, so, we have no air conditioning from that night. It happened like at 10 o'clock in the morning. We had no air conditioning all that day. And that was one of the hotter days, like 106 or something. And... um. Till like nine ten the next morning, we didn't have air conditioning. So twenty four hours, we didn't have air conditioning. We could survive, Chuck. And you know why it is? Because we're surrounded by trees. The sun comes; it starts hitting on the house about two o'clock in the afternoon. By five, it's behind the trees. There's still mm -hmm. it's still sunny out, but it's not beating on our house. And you know, I now this is what where everyone, everybody was with me and sympathetic right now, and now they're gonna hate me. Are you ready? Yeah, I did something crazy. I know you're not supposed to do. I went out and watered my house, and it cooled down within like 20 minutes, from like 90 inside to like 78, mm -hmm. just from watering the side of the house where the sun beats on is it. Is it I wood know, or stucco? I can't remember. It's stucco. Stucco is a son of a bitch. Yeah, it, but but um. You know, I know it's a drought and whatever, but I watered down the one wall. It literally dropped. We didn't have air conditioning. We still could survive. There were parts of the house that you could survive in. Like Idris's room is way in the far back and it's small. It wasn't that bad in there. It was like maybe 80 at the worst. Like you can survive. People mm -hmm. survive without air conditioning. Oh, they we, did. We were like, we were just up. I was just up north and um, her brother's house. Uh, it was 85 degrees, uh, get, got close to 90 a couple of the days, but because of the trees around it and because there's not, you know, just, it's just one of those things where it stayed cool in the house all day, not just because it was in the shade all day because it got sun, but we just closed the doors in the morning and it stayed nice all day. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just really crazy, crazy the difference than compared to here. To plan. No, but to plan. So I give this example. There's a big monster, you know, like McMansion built up the hill from us. And you can see it when you're getting off the freeway. There's no trees around it. It's, it's like, you know, this huge monstrous house. It's got all glass. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, it's hot as fuck in that house. No, it's, it's hot as fuck in there. It's oh, I know they got, they have to, Constant. right? But yeah. they, this house was built in 1943. They built it down in the canyon. It's got trees all around it. It's only got sun hitting on two sides of it for periods of time during the day. And mm -hmm. the back of the house is, you know, it's not, you know, it's not the greatest, but you could survive. And, and the idea that, you know, the, the end of the world is coming because our air conditioning is off. And, you know, it's just like we're all so lucky and fortunate. 
And instead, we're micromanaging the, the little injustices in, the, in our world. Instead of the huge disparity and injustice in the rest of the world, in comparison to the rest of the world. Try go living in Indonesia right now. Like, it, you oh, know what yeah. I mean? Or it, it's so, try being a woman in Saudi Arabia for all no, this. thanks. Yeah, like. They say and, those uh, burkas and stuff keep you cool, though. I'm so <laughs> <laughs> prison said, ain't so said, bad. The burkas keep you cool. <laughs> yeah, prison, prison ain't. Mike has always got those words of wisdom for us all. <laughs> hey, hey, look, think about there's it. A mosque, they, they there's a mosque. Listen, there's a mosque right by my house at Gary and Foothill. It looks so hot, those poor women, because they got clothes on underneath that and then that. It just looks so hot. But how would anyway, you so we go to the Dodgers. Naked we went to the Dodgers, and <laughs> what happens be. every time we sit in those seats is you can see us on television. Well, Pete Weiss was at the game. He texted me, and we went over and talked to him for a while. And then, but then you're sitting down, and a bunch of people are texting me, "Hey, I see, you, I see you at the game." Blah, blah, blah. So then I feel like, and this has happened repeatedly with these tickets. Like I can't get up and leave because. Soon as I look at my phone again, they're like, "Where'd you go? Did you already go home? You fucking! If I had those tickets, I wouldn't fucking be in the restaurant." I couldn't go. It would be too hot. Remember we were talking about the desert. If you called me and said, "Chuck, you the family, yeah, call Tristan and Sasha. I got a ten pack behind home plate today, <laughs> and I'm gonna pay you a thousand dollars. You can take the day off work. I got your work. I would go. It's too hot, Bob." <laughs> so we sat there for more than two innings. So up, you know, Dodgers up, Giants more up, Dodgers up, Giants innings. up, and 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 I felt like I. I might be having to get a paramedic. I swear to God. And we were pouring water on ourselves down our backs and stuff. It was just so crazy. I, I got to ask, man, why don't you, you can't bring an umbrella because then. No, it blocks the views behind. Yeah. I thought of that. Yeah. And it, it's just, but you know, it and was, our troops are on the ground in 130 just, degrees. And just think <laughs> how you would look, Bob, if you had an umbrella hat on. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. Those I think people an umbrella had, hat with yeah, a Budweiser some of those on people each have side. those umbrella hats. Oh, that would be so great. A Budweiser umbrella hat. <laughs> but isn't the top, doesn't your head stick with out a, on the top? With a mister, though. That would be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, with a Budweiser mister. Even yeah, better. we made it through. Great. Dodgers won seven to five. It was great. Or seven to three or something. Seven to three. It was great. Um, uh, we saw the Justin Turner home run. And so, we, you know, Sid really loves baseball. That's why I went. She yeah. loves it. And so... Justin Turner comes up and he used to be for years. He was my favorite player and she knew it. And she was, he was the first baseball player she really knew because it was my favorite player. And he's got red hair. He's kind of easy to spot and whatever. And Is he the one that looks like animal. Animal boner from the animal, which animal? animal um, boner. No <laughs> animal boner. Mike knows animal boner. 
that's a heck of a name. It's hard to be. That beat. was an old punk rock guy friend of Earthquake. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, he just has red hair, red beard. And he's he's great in the in the what about 2018. Mookie? Like Mookie or something? Well, that now Mookie's my favorite. So and Justin comes up and Sydney looks at me and goes, "Aren't you gonna cheer?" And I was like, "A little hot, Sid. A little hot." Because usually I say, "Oh, <laughs> come on, come on, cheer. Mookie, too come on, Mookie, oh. come on." <laughs> You know, yeah. so I do I do the best I can, almost dying of heat stroke. All right, Justin, let's do this. Cause they can hear you. You're like two feet away from that. And so uh, so so Sid's watching and man up first and second, and I go, Sid, this next pitch he's gonna hit a home run over center field wall. And he did. And Sid was like, How did you know that? I you know, if he would have if he would have foul balled or struck or missed a ball or it was or a called ball or strike, I would have said, Oh, well, I thought he was going to. But I actually said <laughs> he's gonna hit a home run over the center field wall. I lost my mind. And then the guys next to us were like, He called it. Your dad called it. Like I call a lot of those things and they here's the thing. I call a lot of those things and it never happens. Mostly when Mookie's up, I always say Mookie's going to hit it out. Sid Mookie's going to hit it out and he grounds out to second base, but I called it. And these guys were like, I can't believe it. You called it. You called where it was. And I just know Justin Turner well enough. He, he, he's not going to hit a home run to right field. He's opposite field. He's and he usually hits them right in this certain area of center field to right between center field and left field, and that's where he hit it. He's he's hit probably 120 of his 180 home runs right there. So yeah. it wasn't like I was, you know, Nostradamus, but Sid was like, and as soon as we got home, but she she told Chrissy, Daddy called the home run. Everybody was freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you make hey, guys predictions. Something's going to come you, true. Yeah, you just throw it out there every batter. He's going to hit a home run. Oh, he struck out. Well, you never know, Sid. You never know. <laughs> but but it was so cool. School, but he can call that run. Yeah, but it was. It, the Dodgers are amazing. <laughs> I, I just can't. I don't know why I get so much joy from the Dodgers. It has to do with childhood trauma, right? My dad and my mom didn't get along and my dad had Dodger season tickets, right? And so my mom and dad would be fighting and he would just say, come on, Bobby, we're going to the game. And I remember like doing that probably a hundred times in my childhood. And it was my favorite time. Like my sisters weren't going, my mom wasn't going. It was just me and my dad, and we would drive up from Inglewood to Dodger Stadium and go to Chinatown and have dinner and then go to Dodger game. And it was just so, such a part of my childhood, and I want to do it with my kids, and, I, and I, I've always loved the Dodgers. And I think it's because of that was the only love I had with my dad or the only thing that we did together by ourselves. Does that make sense, Chuck? You're the yeah, therapist. No, that, that makes total sense, of course. And is it's that bad? Spot. Like, why do, why does everybody psychoanalyze? I was talking to a friend who's going through some hard times and he's going to a psychologist and other people, you know, it's just like, uh, does everything have to be psychoanalyzed? Can I just think like, yeah, it was the one thing me and my dad did together alone and it has this deep meaning for me. I know it's stupid to a, a bunch of people. Like everybody thinks baseball is boring. I'm right here. I'm the biggest baseball fan you'll ever meet. Yeah, it's boring as fuck. But there's something magical about going to the ballpark with your kid. 
There's something magical about going to the ballpark with there, your friends. There absolutely is. And you know, people have a lot of different things. Some guys, it's going fishing, you know, and it does, does it have to be good or bad or can you just enjoy it? But you know what I'm saying? Everybody psychoanalyzes everything. Why do you like baseball? It's so boring. You know how many people say that to me throughout a baseball season? Because I talk about baseball all the time. Like hundreds. They, they're you, like angry say, that I like baseball. They're angry that I them, like baseball. Don't you tell them like, well, I don't know why I'm your friend. You're so <laughs> Really? That's all you got? You're going to pick on a sport? <laughs> Leave well, me alone. It, you know, you've got friends that hate baseball. There's a real hate of baseball going but on hate, in our society. But hate, I mean, uh, to say... To say I hate something, that's just like way over the top. Well, the maybe that's like, an exaggeration. Like but there's but a like, really, but in this day and age where everything is instant and everything is food in 90 seconds and everything is I gotta go and everything is TikTok a minute, can't even listen to a whole song anymore. You gotta only listen to the chorus. Um, baseball is this thing that's just been the same for 150 years and, you, if, and people really don't like it. I mean, that's oh, a lot of my people experience. do. I mean, they're big stadiums, big money, big draw. It's just yeah, but that's just, a minimal amount. Like there was, a, they tried to say there was nineteen thousand people there, dude. I was looking around; I could count them all. There wasn't ten thousand people there. It was so fucking hot. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was, you know. Um, but anyway, so I love baseball. I, I mean, thought I like you were going to say that why can't science figure out a way to cool down the stadium, an outdoor stadium? I mean, why couldn't they? You know? Yeah, I, you know, certainly, I think about that all the time. If they just put, they could do a million things, but they don't want to change the look of it. A little bit of shade wouldn't hurt anybody. Well, I feel sorry for the people who have seats in the shade because everyone who's got seats in the heat uh, go and just jump into seats that are in the shade, and then you got to come and say, "Oh, you're sitting in my seat." And most times, when uh, that happens to me, you know, it used to happen to me when I was in left field all the time. People would be sitting in my seats, you know, all the time, and I'd have to say, "Excuse me, you're sitting in my seats." And most people are gracious and go, "Oh yeah, sorry," and they move yes, over or they go away. <laughs> but in left field, they're like, "Yeah, you can sit there." I'm like, no, but those are my seats right there. No, there's seats right there. Go sit there. Yeah, they do that in left field. That's why I don't sit in left field anymore. It's like <laughs> it's like weird. Like, what do you say to that? No, sir. I don't care how Neanderthalic you are. You need Same. to move out of my seats and go sit somewhere else. Listen, troglodyte, I will fight you. <laughs> no, but it really gets down to that in an instant because it's at a sporting event. Yeah. Like, you know, that doesn't, I go to Disney Hall sometimes or Hollywood Bowl. That never happens there. If somebody's sitting in your seat, they go, oh, excuse me. So sorry. You know, and they're looking at their ticket and they made a mistake. Right? These mm -hmm. guys in left field are just like, there's some fucking seats right there. Just sit there. Like, no, you're sitting in my seats. Yeah. That's and they my seat. To be in I'm going to go tell. <laughs> And they're in, well, no, I had the last two seats in, it, I had these seats when Elvis was little, I had these seats that were really cheap too. half a season for 1600 bucks, $800 each. So $20 a game. So, so we had them and there was this whole area. We had the front row right against the rail in the left field pavilion so that any home run ball hit there. We, you know, Elvis could have access to, and he used to bring his mitt all the time. He never caught one, but there was a lot that would go up 
there, you know, in that area and roll around and wasn't a lot of people around. Play, how far off a home plate is left pavilion? It's like 340 is it, feet is or it something. Seats without any shade over on the left. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so left, left field is the third base. It's left it's and right for, base to stand yeah, at home. Yeah. And yeah, you can yeah. possibly yeah. catch a fly over there. Yeah. Yeah. And the left field thing that, you know, it's hard to hit it up where we were, but there's a big black tarp there. And if it hit on that tarp, it would roll right up to us. Elvis almost fell down that tarp one time trying to get a home run ball that was like halfway up the tarp. But, <laughs> you know, but, but regardless, if I pay for something to be somewhere, just because you want it to have that thing doesn't give you the right to say, Oh, go get it somewhere else. And that, and I'm telling you, there's, I noticed it in 2014. There's this new mentality of like, well, it's no big deal. You fuck you. Go sit somewhere where there's an empty seat. Right. Mm. And, it, and, and it, it really is strange, but, but that's happening because of the sun for sure. People are just sitting in the shade. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to say people I've done it, but when somebody comes and it's their seat, I go, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. This is so hot down there where our seats are and people understand, <laughs> but you be gracious. There's a lack of graciousness and, yes. and decorum. And, and I don't know, they, the kids all call up, talk about respect. Like, you know, how do you get respect if you're disrespectful to people? I, I never have understand that logic, no matter what your like sensibility is, like you're being disrespectful. How do you think that then you can demand respect? I, I don't know because that that works out really well when you do it that way. Like we go down to like sea legs and sea salt down there on the beach, and there's cabanas that you can pay extra money and sit in the shade and have a good view. And I'll just walk up to the cabanas if there's just one or two people in them. They seat like eight, and I say, "Can we hang out in here until the rest of your group shows up?" And people will always say, "Sure, have a seat." Sometimes they even say, "It's not ours either." <laughs> because it'll say reserve seating only, you know, and it's not ours either. Come on in. They but, have you know, that. It, they have that at uh, at Raging Waters. We've been going to Raging Waters because it's been so hot. Do you know that Raging Waters is only like five minutes from my house? I never even knew it was yeah, there. Yeah, I used to pass it every time. Yeah, on the fifty-seven exit. Yeah, Raging Waters Boulevard. So we went up there on Monday or whatever. It, it's so cool. But they do have that elitist cabana world. I'm like, I'm like, and I tried to ask, they say, you have to reserve it online. I'm like soaking wet in a pool with two kids. Like, how do I do that? I don't know. And the girl just walks away from me. I'm like, there's all these empty cabanas. Like, how much are they? Are they like, I figured, I, you know what I was thinking? It was so hot that on Monday, I would, a week ago Monday, I would pay 40 bucks to sit in there. Is it more than 40 bucks, Chuck? Oh, yes, it is, yes. How I much could, is I it? Could, I don't know it's how much like, it is there. It's hey, a lot. Sid, I'm talking about Raging Waters. Remember that? I'm on a podcast. Oh, you're going to get Idris? Yeah, pizza. Okay, I'll see you guys in a while. All right. Um, the, what? I didn't turn the lights on. It was light when we started. I've been talking for, for, for since it was light out when we started. I didn't turn the lights on in here. Um, but so how much, Mike? 60 bucks? I'd say 160. Oh, least. my fucking God. Wait a second. What? It's $20 an hour for an eight-hour day to have shade? 
I'm telling you, there's it's crazy what they think they can charge. That's just a guess. Let's look online here, and you guys. Well, I'll give you an example. So there's a there's a go to the there's a go to the front of the line thing at Universal Studios. It's $160 a day. So, um, I said, well, I only want to pay for it for my son and daughter, like 300 bucks. Then I started thinking 320 bucks for them to go to the front line. But when you're waiting an hour and 10 minutes, starting as low as 249. Oh my God. (laughs) Who has that kind of money? Oh, I'm sorry. Weekdays. It's only 179. Oh my God. Okay. It, and that's how many people sit under there? Six. And, you, and, and just to sit in the shade. My, Chuck's right. It's that you don't get any more benefit than that. You might, is there a table in there? You can put a like $5 pizza down on. No, I have no idea. So, uh. so get this at universal. Cause we went there with Dimitri and his kids and that, and it's so great. Here's what community does. Chuck Elvis you know, refuses to go on roller coasters. And he's made this big complex about it. he's scared and rides are scary. And then he started spreading that scary poison to Sid. And then Sid started talking about how she's scared of rides. And I was like, fuck this. We're forests. We're not scared of shit. I'm not scared of a nuclear war. <laughs> like you're not scared of going on a fucking roller coaster at an amusement park. So this went on for like a year and a half. He go, he goes to Universal Studios with um, Dimitri's two kids, and he starts riding roller coasters. He rode the Mummy, he rode the Transformers ride, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, thank you, Dimitri Coates." Got like you know, it takes it. It didn't. Hillary Clinton said it takes a village. It takes takes a village for my son to ride on a roller coaster, right? <laughs> so, well, Dimitri so then, could have said the same thing you did. But it meant something because it wasn't you saying it. That's the problem. <laughs> well, yeah, he was saying the same thing. Come on, we're going on it. What's the deal? I, I, I would say that always to Elvis. Well, Sid's willing to go on it. Why wouldn't you go on it? Oh, Sid shouldn't go on it. Then he, that's how the whole fear thing starts. So they go, they go on the rides. He's proud of himself. I can see he's conquered one of his fears. He's overcome something, right? We go back there. I go, you know, he says, Sid could probably handle the mummy ride. I said, okay, we're going to go on the mummy. We built it up. Sid, we're going on the mummy. I'm going to sit with you. I'll hold your hand. It's going to be okay. We go to the line. I shit you not. 85 minute wait to go on a ride. Mm. That For those of you at home that didn't do well in high school math, that's an hour and 25 minutes. They just put 85 up there because it doesn't sound like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I'm a, like, that's your average this. animated movie. <laughs> 85 minutes of waiting in line to go on a ride that lasts six minutes. So I'm like, fuck this. And I remembered that they have this thing where you can go to the front. It's called front of the line or something. You know, so we go there, 160 bucks per kid. Now I can't afford three of us. I like that's insane to pay 500 bucks for three of us. So I'm like, two, three, 20. And then I'm like, no, I want Elvis to do it. So then I'm 160. And then he's like, well, I don't want to go by myself. And I, of course, the junkie in me, Mike goes, well, maybe if we, if I escorted you to the front and you only have the one go to the front line, the other two of us can sneak on, you know, I was going to like <laughs> junkie, junkie hustle, the sneaking in the front of the line with my 11 year old son. But then he said, no, I don't want to go if you can't go. And then they're both saying, just pay it. 
just pay it, Dad. It's like four hundred eighty dollars, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, fuck it, fuck it. We're gonna go back and wait in line. So we go back downstairs, and now it's reduced. Now it's only a sixty minute wait. Hey, that's fantastic. Where did that other twenty five minutes worth of people go? Everybody walked up and said, nah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and other people in the front got tired of waiting. About 30 yeah. minutes in, they said, this is some bullshit. <laughs> really? I bet mm. you, yeah, people just get out of line, right? You, mm. you put your 20 minutes in, you're like, ah, fuck this. Then right? you tell your kids, you say one more thing, we're stepping out of line. <laughs> we're fucking getting out of here. You little dick. <laughs> <laughs> you have season passes to Knott's Berry Farm, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like they're super cheap right now for 20, uh, 20. And the lines aren't bad there, but the rides, they don't have that many kids no, rides. It's not as big, it's not as big, but they do have the silver bullet and all that stuff. That's pretty cool stuff. Isn't it scary as fuck though? There's one that's oh, over no, my, near my, the near the the carousel that goes upside down, upside down, and upside down. All you oh. need to like fuck that. I ain't going yeah. on that. Yeah, that thing. But, <laughs> yeah, but you this know, is the world of being fun I am a while 61 ago for me. years old. I am six I'm sixty-one years old and this is my life. Amusement parks, kids are, you know, trying to figure out how to get them to know ranch dressing. We've ordered one thing <laughs> ranch dressing. Like it's just like this eternal uh, you know. And, you know, a friend of mine said what we really need. I, I forget. I think it was Pete Weiss. Like, what we really need is like a recession so everybody can become grateful again. There's a lack well, of know, gratitude in our society. I, I've got a helpful hint. I went to the I went to the DMV. I had to get my super. How super long was the wait? 85 ID? minutes? 85 oh, minutes. OK, this is this is the hip trick. I learned because I went to one window, then had to go to another you go back to the lady that hands out the slips that says, and you say, I need a J number. The J Ooh. numbers. because Oh, yeah. The J number I was seen in like five minutes. Yeah, but don't you guys have AAA? I mean, you could just go to a AAA. Not for a You super can't get ID. your driver's license there. You can't. The, the super duper ID. Yeah, Mike doesn't have. Pieces you, of what mail. do you think? Okay, the Super ID was supposed to be in October of 2020. Everybody was supposed to have it, then COVID canceled it. I know. Well, here's my, for everyone at home, for Smitty and Wiley and everybody, let's take a guess of when Mike Mart eventually gets the Super ID. I'm oh, a, as soon I, as he I wants have, to go on a plane, that's for <laughs> yeah, sure. You can't go on a plane, Mike, without it. I don't think you can... Well, they sometimes they ask for it to slot. I don't think you can buy nicotine gum without it. How come it's just California that has this super ID? Because it's uh, Uberalis, California. Uberalis, yeah. California. And they have Uberalis, to have a copy of your birth certificate Uberalis. and all I needed to have my passport, two pieces of mail that I came went, to my yeah, house yeah. that are a yeah, bill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I went through that and whole my thing. driver's license. And... And I had I, I did it first. I did it online. They said upload. You scan the pieces of mail and oh, you scan your driver's I license. I didn't fucking do that. I, I took all that shit down to the fucking DMV. Well, I made the mistake of going down there without bringing my mail, <laughs> and I had to go back. How home. happy were you that day, Chuck? You know even what? though I said, you're the I, most even keeled guy in the world, when you came up against that bureaucratic nonsense. 
that you didn't have your electric bill that's in your name with you at the DMV so you could get the super ID, right? How happy were you driving home? Oh, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy, but I didn't want to burn that bridge. And the guy said, the guy said, when you come back tomorrow, look for me. I'll pull you straight out of line. He goes, just find me. I mean, oh, no, window. see that, that only, that only happens to you, Chuck, because you're the guess nicest what? guy in the world. Dude you, know the you know what they say to me? You know what they say to the guy in the hat? <laughs> The, the guy in the hat, they say, you're not welcome here anymore. Go to another fucking Bob, DMV. You're not, catching, you're not <laughs> catching the gist of this. The guy had the day off and he knew it. <laughs> yeah. no. I, I went back yeah. and, I, and I stalked that place like a freaking jaguar in a cage, back and forth and back and forth looking for it. And then I had to get, I had to go back up to the appointment line. But if you show that you did your stuff ahead online, you got to go to the appointment line and and so I said, all in, I need all a J in, number. All in, how long did it take you to get your ID? Like the that first day, time, an the hour? first time was about 35 minutes. It was Coast Mesa DMV, and it was a Thursday. And then I went back on Friday, and because I pulled the J number, man, I was in and out in like 20 minutes. And so I got an hour, hour total, and, right? I was there probably two hours. I was discombobulated. I had to go out. I didn't have the, for some reason, you know, our bill, some of our bills are in my name, some are in Chrissy's. And I just took a stack of bills and most of them were like credit card bills that are in Chrissy's name. And I figured that I saw my insurance, car insurance thing when my name was there. So I thought it was Bill. I had to go out and they let me go and show my DMV registration of my car as a second that's form of ID. I, that's a guy, the guy said, all you need is one more. And I said, but I have my passport. And my driver's license. They don't care about that. And, and no, and, and he goes, he goes, the registration. I said, you mean the registration that you gave me counts? Well, yes, that's one. It does. I tried it using does. my clergy card. I tried my clergy card because Universal Life Church, I'm a pastor. I said, like, you can get those online. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, that's what I but said. This is, this is I the said, craziest you please thing. Try it. <laughs> so most, most friends of mine now have done it and they all talk about what a nightmare it was. But let's get back to Mike Mart. I want everyone at home that knows and loves Mike Mart that have shared this path, this golden sobriety and high path for 40 years with Mike Mart. Let's prognosticate what year Mike I Mart gets even, the I ultimate. I don't need that California. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I say that somewhere crowd. around 2024 to 2025, go, Mike will be talking about going to the DMV with his bills and getting yeah. a super ID. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if they force you to, like California. They do Dallas. force you. You can't hey, do certain things you know without it. You can't go on a plane, Mike. I thought about Chuck the other night when I was working the, um, the uh, Elvis Costello at the Grove and uh, Nick Lowe was was on stage with Elvis Costello along with Charlie Sexton, and it was amazing. Yeah, he sent us a picture. I, was in the back. I went to the back to watch, you know, uh, until the show was over, until we had to start uh, loading it out. And uh, there were these Orange County, like, bearded, bald-headed, you know, uh, guys just talking and drinking and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, man, Chuck is so right about these fucking... They had no idea how important these were these people were on stage 
to rock and roll. And here they are just sitting there talking. And there's everybody's quiet. Chuck, I almost just went up and just slugged one of them. Right. In the face, <laughs> I swear to God, I got, I had a Chuck moment. I thought of you, man. I thought of <laughs> that is a, in fact, they, that's why I sent that text with that, with that thing that said, orange County doesn't deserve this, man. They do. I'll tell you what it, you know, it, that is so common now that it kills me. I've had that happen at Alex's where people will stand up next to the stage so where I'm getting rude. close. There's a whole big ass room. Go outside and yap at each other if you don't well, want to hear yeah. it. Well, let's let's analyze them for a second. So it happens to me everywhere I go, right? There's people just talking next to you. I mean, I'm talking about at Yo-Yo Ma at the Walt Disney Theater. People were talking. It's like it's really fragile music. That the, the quietness is a part of experiencing the song, and people are talking and they're on their phones and stuff like that. So that decorum, and I'll return to that word, that respect of others, right? As you want to be respected, is it's broken down in our society. So, and it's this expectation that I paid for this ticket. I can do whatever the fuck I want. That narcissism that is now Trumpism, it's Bidenism, it's, it's all this stuff is that my ideas and what I care about are superior to yours. And, and, and how do we pull together? One of the things I was listening to that song, American Pie. Have you ever listened to the whole eight minutes of it? It's one of the saddest songs ever, but yet when well, you sing along with the chorus and you feel a part of something. <laughs> bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. You're crying, but you're feeling patriotic. That's a good song. It's a fucking, it's a strange song, isn't it? Because yeah. it starts out about Buddy the Holly jagged. dying. Well, it a, starts it out with Buddy Holly dying. Jagger at, at the at the um, Altmont. That's was David it? Jagger. Yes, McLean wrote that when he was at Mick Jagger at Altmont at the Stones at the Rolling Stones. Yeah, but it just starts a long, long time ago. Uh, it's about Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and Richie Valens dying in the plane crash. It refers to that, and then it goes into like the jester, and everybody thought Bob Dylan was a jester, but it's not really Bob Dylan. He's already done a whole and. Era. And Christ, Christ is no. There's a I, I. I know a little bit about the song. Christ is the is the king with the thorny crown, not Elvis Presley, because he refers to. It's just such a fascinating song, but it's so melancholy, and it's and he wrote it about those times. Yes, maybe inspired finally by Altamont, but he more talks in this documentary about. The killing of the Kennedys, the killing of Martin Luther King, yeah. the killing of Malcolm X, the killing in Vietnam. It is really an amazing um, song. It's like it it's an amazing song, but it's years. not a it's not a flag waving song by no. any means no, no, of no. the of the imagination. And I think it got it got Chuck. I don't know if you know the history of the song. So Garth Brooks made it his own. Right. So he no. Garth Brooks, yeah, took it over and he was the reason why it became so popular in America. It was kind of a forgotten 70s AM hit song. But Garth Brooks starts doing it at his concerts and the whole concert starts singing along. And it changed in meaning to this really like kind of cartoonish patriotic song about America. Like there's nothing oh, patriotic. It's bye-bye. It's bye-bye to Sweet Lady Liberty. You know what I mean? It's not. It's, it's just, you know what? Hey, 
it was a great idea, but she died. And that yeah, was yeah, 50 well, years if, ago. But my first childhood recollection was I was in in November of 63, I was two years old, two years and, and seven months old. And I remember being with my mom and my aunt shopping in a May company and and people crying. I remember the hysteria of it. I remember going to the television part of the store and watching everybody watching it on TV, right? Yeah. So it's like 10 a.m. or 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and this idea that Kennedy got killed. I remember that. It's my first childhood memory. And then I remember Bobby Kennedy being killed. I don't remember who Mal I didn't know who Malcolm X was. I was like five years old, seven years old. I remember Martin Luther King being killed because I went to Catholic school at Imperial in Crenshaw. Um, and they took us down the basement of the school because there was rioting and they were burning buildings. And I remember looking out the windows of the basement of the Catholic school where I went and seeing fire, smoke. Right. So I lived through that. Mike lived through it. Chuck, you're a little younger. Like, oh, uh, yeah. My family was still in Michigan. And yeah, I was born but, in 67. So I missed yeah, it. Yeah. But, but imagine that. Like, that's what Don McLean's writing about a country that's killing its leaders, that's going to destroy, you know, Southeast Asia for no reason, just like we went to Iraq to destroy it for no reason. We always post these wars, say, oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. Probably shouldn't have done that Vietnam thing. Probably shouldn't have done this rack thing. Like, when is America going to really see itself in the mirror? That's what I'm waiting for, right? And I, I know what it is. I love America because I love my friends and I love the freedom that you have to create. That's why I'm so scared of this woke culture. It's saying, don't create. and it, You might offend me. Dave Chappelle, you offend me. Right, Tiffany Haddish, you offend me. That—that's not the country I grew up in. Right, and by the way, and things that do offend me, totally have the right to offend me. Like I'm not a big fan of the baby and little baby, but they have the right and pop smoke. They have the right to write these horrible songs, and I have the right to think they're horrible and not want to listen to them. That's what's great about America. I don't want you to not listen to them if you like them. That's the new liberalism is you can't listen to them because I don't like them. That's not going to work in my. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, long, long time ago. Do you guys know the lyrics? I'm going to, I want to get the lyrics and go out on it. It's such Boy, a great song between, between that one and seasons in the sun. I really loved sad music when I was wow, little. Bob, I didn't you even look know sunburn, it. man. You look I'm like fucking got... sunburn as fuck. Wow. Um, He's got a red face. You can't tell if I've been in the sun or not. I'm Neapolitan colored. My face is always pink. My arms are always Bob's, brown. And my Bob's ass is always natural white. color is completely white. So bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye and singing, that'll be the day that I die. That'll be the day that I die. What a fucking great song. How can anybody think this is a pro-America song? Just from that little bit that I read. Those good old boys drinking whiskey and rye. That's the only part. 
The good old boys. Yeah, I can see the crowd going. Oh yeah, good old boys. That's all they hear. That's us, Chuck. That's us, the good old boys. Yeah, boys. You said whiskey and rye. You said whiskey. Well, we started the show talking about whiskey, and we're going to end it talking about whiskey. There we go. Well, hi you guys. What a what a nutcase life we got. I love oh, it. Man. All right. Now we're going to be at it? Ohana Fest on the Sunday, the day Pink's playing. I think we're going to get the, one of the last slots before the big stage opens up. Is is Pink going to hang off all this stuff? Is there Dude, stuff to hang even, off you don't on there? Know. Did you go to that? Pink has the greatest fucking new song called Irrelevant, man. You got to look at that link, man. It's is that the song amazing. with her daughter? There's a song no, with her daughter. No, there. it's it's insane, man. It's so good. I'll send it in the in the. Pink uh, is punk rock, dude. Pink grew up punk is, rock in Philadelphia. I'm I think she's you, from man, Philly. I think she's, she's from my, Philly. Total guilty pleasure, man. I love. Is she from Philadelphia, Chuck? Can you look that up? I think she is. I can't. I'm on my phone. Ern Will Smith from Philadelphia. For that, a video, man. But it's really fucking good, and you guys will love it. Bye, bye, Miss American Pie. See you guys later. See you later. Don't die. Bye. Don't die. Oh, where's the goddamn thing? You get off. There you go. Bye, bye. Bye, mom.